0: Rock. Women rock. Women who rock. Women who rock. Women, rock. Women, who, rock. Women, who, Women rock. who rock. Women who rock. Women who rock.
1: Welcome to Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting Australian female musicians and artists. In this very first episode, I'm very pleased to introduce Brianna Jones. Bree is the singer, guitarist and mastermind behind Sydney band Library Siesta. She is also a producer and the music library coordinator at FBI Radio. Bree, welcome to Women Who Rock.
0: Oh,
2: thank you, Matt. That's a lovely introduction. Well, it's so <laughs> lovely
1: to hear. We've been having a chat about this for quite a while, so it's really exciting to be here and uh, have uh, talk to you about all of your musical endeavours.
2: I am so honoured. Oh, well. It's an absolute honour to especially be the first. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> Women Who Rock, I think you fit the bill pretty well.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's only two criteria. <laughs>
1: yeah. Library Siesta, I have seen Library Siesta play many times, probably ten times, and with kind of different configurations. Mm. And you also have a member overseas as well.
2: We do. So
1: I'm interested in how the musical writing process happens in that in that scenario Mm.
2: well yeah you mentioned different configurations so we've um been playing with like different lineups for a really really long time Mm. and this isn't the first time that we've had a member overseas sometimes that member's been me um for a while it was our bass player and at the moment it's uh, our guitarist so our lead guitarist So we're kind of used to that and so especially um, when it was me who was living overseas, um, we kind of developed this sort of habit where I would sort of write songs on my own, sort of get the structure, general structure down and the lyrics and the chords and then when I would come back to Australia, we would write stuff and work on all of those songs sort of in one lot Mm. and then I would go away again and then work on a bunch of songs, and then we'd sort of reconvene and work on those ones. So we've kind of always worked like that. Like I would sort of not just, like we wouldn't work together one at a time, like one song at a time. We'd sort of work in lots. So we're just kind of doing that at the moment while um, Eva's away. Mm. Luckily, like she's overseas, um, but she gets to come back twice a year. Um, Soon she'll be back permanently, and oh, really? we cool. can't wait. Yeah, that'll be um, amazing. Which is why we didn't sort of just, you know, say goodbye to her indefinitely. Yeah. Um, because we knew she would be back eventually. Um, and so it sort of meant that when she did sort of when she does come back, we we work on the songs that I've been writing in between. And so she just left. Um, she was here for like two and a half weeks, and we just had this really, you know, we all committed to having lots of really intense songwriting sessions while she was here, Um, which, like, over summer in my flat where we rehearse, which is, you know, an old dilapidated thing with no air con. It was really...
1: just yeah, pretty
2: hot. Oh, so sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, over those two and a half weeks, we had seven rehearsals. We were working on songs. Um, we recorded demos of those. We went into the studio and mixed songs that we'd recorded the last time that she was there, and we had a gig, and we were also rehearsing for that gig. So we had, like, a really...
1: We, we made the most of it. It's a really intensive time when you work it together. Yeah. All the creativity happens <laughs> in a short time. That's cool. And Library Sister has been going for quite a while and you've been one of the core members?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, me and Eva were the ones who started it. I think yeah. it was really just kind of us two in the very beginning. Our very first gig was just us two at a open mic in Glebe, okay. of all places. Yeah. Um, and um, then we sort of had a drummer join us and we sort of had a bass player on and off Um, whenever he was in the country he was in the band but when he wasn't we just have to kind of make do without bass and so yeah and we've been just making do with whoever wants to (laughs) to play with us for quite a while
1: Well, you've been doing it for quite a while, and you're going to be using this experience in the Sydney Girls Rock Camp, which has come out really soon. I'm really interested in hearing about that. So I understand yes. that you're going to be mentoring yes. for this. Yes. So can you give us a bit of an overview about what this camp does?
2: Yeah. Um, so I guess the term camp, I think, is a little bit misleading because oh, okay. they don't actually sleep there. <laughs> but um, Girls Rock started in America... Um, And it's sort of... And that was, I think, a little bit over 10 years ago. And there was a documentary that was made about it. um, And it sort of has spread all over the world. And um, an amazing, amazing musician from Canberra um, called Kiara, she brought it over to Australia um, because she was doing an honours thesis on girls' rock on the camps in America. Um, And she spent two years... Like you know, on working on that, and she started the first camp two years ago, um, in Canberra, and so last year for the second Girls Rock Canberra camp, um, I went down and I mentored. Okay, I mentored there, um, and so I got to meet you know lots of other people who are really passionate about it, and so anyway, um, the basic idea of the camp is to empower young girls trans and non binary kids, um, basically people who are marginalized by their gender who because the music industry is very male dominated, um, to empower them and, you know, through creativity and through music making. Um and so it's a week long program and um during the week they learn an instrument, they form a band, um, they do workshops like making zines and um screen printing and all these other kind of like really fun stuff yeah. that's much more DIY than, like, traditional kind of boring, more boring kind of music instruction, I guess. It's it's um, trying to, so, like, the, the main idea is, like, it doesn't actually matter too much if, you know, what you produce is, you know, good or not, or, you know, whether it's going to win a bloody Aria or not. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about just sort of creating to, you know... Take up space and own space and and feel i don't know feel good and and get whatever kind of message you have in you out um and be heard and not be afraid to be um yeah to be seen and to be heard.
1: It sounds like a great initiative, so are we talking is it like primary school kids or what is is there a particular age that yeah they focus so on?
2: it's from ten to seventeen it's is who we who we aim to target. Okay. Um, and yeah, and the the other sort of key thing is that at the end of the week, um, all the bands get to perform. Oh, wow. And so they get to play their very own gig. A lot of them, it's the first time that they're playing a gig. And a lot of them, um, down in Canberra anyway, um, that cohort, um, it was their first time playing an instrument, learning an instrument. So they learnt an instrument in a week, wrote a song and performed it. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> which is really... Incredible, and and they all did such an amazing job. The the showcase at the end was amazing. Um, yeah,
1: it's, it's incredible. I'm interested in your role as a mentor and just how you were able to use your experience in being gigging for quite a while mm. around Sydney and stuff. So what was the actual, as a mentor, mm. what are you doing? How are you imparting that knowledge to these young minds?
2: Um, it's a good question, especially because... I'm self-taught as a musician, you know. Yeah. I don't have the, you know, in air quotes, you know, correct um, kind of language and way of speaking about music and how to do music right in terms of like quavers and like yeah, I don't like know. musical theory. Yeah. yeah, so I don't, I can't really offer much in terms of that. But a lot of what I was doing, so I was paired up. It was me and another mentor. And we um, had a band together of kids. Um, And so she had a little bit more of that kind of knowledge. So she was able to help them a bit more with the actual, like, songwriting kind of and instruction side of things. Whereas I was just, like, just telling them how great they were (laughs) all the
1: time. Um, You were the voice there to tell them that it's okay (laughs) to do this thing. Yeah,
2: Yeah. which is actually very important. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly the... Kids that we had in our band, a lot of them, um, they, were, they were older. They were between 14 to 16. Um, and a lot of them um, had a lot of problems with confidence, anxiety. A couple of them mentioned to me during the week that they were in therapy. Um, one of them saw their counsellor like twice, just within that one week. Um, and they, they were very, very... Um, worried and about performing. They were really anxious about the idea of being up on a stage, but they really loved music and they really, really wanted to play. And I yeah, I guess my job was just to really more I like I was more on the sort of confidence kind of side, helping to really build their confidence.
1: Um It's a really important age to be to be encouraged, I think. Yeah. Being a Fourteen or sixteen year old yeah. is hard. I guess, regardless of the situation, but particularly if you're trying to do something in an industry which is not really that conducive for you doing that. Yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly. Um, Those kids were so amazing. I think one of my favourite moments was when we were doing, like, a lyric writing exercise and um, one of the kids had said, um, like, oh, I'm not good at this. And then another kid um, said to her, like, you know what? That's okay because we're a band, and if you're not good at something, someone else will be. And it works the other way around, too. Like, if you'll be good at things that some of us won't be good at, and that's why we have each other. And oh my god, it just like <laughs> it warmed your heart. <laughs> my to heart its exploded. Core. <laughs> I was like, yes, you get it. That's exactly what it's about. Um, yeah.
1: So it was a really rewarding experience for you.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And just like, At the end of the day, they wrote a really cool song. (laughs) It was so good, and
1: do they ever release any of the songs? Do they put them on SoundCloud or?
2: Um, Well, we don't end up recording it. It's just just sort of it's just a performance. It's just a performance. Um, But I believe at the first Canberra camp, there was a band who um, ended up forming out of that camp, um, and they're called Teen Jesus and the Gene Teasers, I believe.
0: Oh, that's a great name.
2: (laughs) Yeah. um,
1: Teen Jesus.
2: (laughs) And the Gene Teasers. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. So um, perhaps that band may have, one of their songs that they've released may have um, been one of the ones they wrote at camp. I'm not
1: sure. So you'll be doing that next week, which is actually going to be in the past when this podcast was released, but I'm (laughs) sure you're looking forward to this, because that was all the Canberra one that you've done. Is this the first Sydney instalment? Yes, this is the first ever Sydney one. Okay, cool. Well, that's very exciting. It's
2: so exciting. And I
1: hope that (laughs) it sounds like you're going to have an awesome week next week. Oh,
2: so good. Yeah.
1: I wanted to talk also about a single that you released with Library Siesta. Yes. Called Psycho Genius. We are going to hear it in a minute, but I'd like to talk firstly about the video that you guys did, a pretty unusual technique. Can you tell us a little... And I know you we spoke about it beforehand. I know you yeah. spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. Run us through the technique that you use for this video.
2: Um, so, basically, we... It's it's a fairly simple video in terms of, like, you know, you, you just sort of see us playing and singing um, along to the song against yes. a, you know, fairly blank wall. Yeah. Um, But we learnt to, I learnt to sing and my band learnt to play um, the song backwards. And so the idea is that we filmed it backwards, us performing backwards, so that we could reverse that footage and sync it up to the audio so that, um, you know, our hair would move before our head would and things would be a little bit off and a little bit strange.
1: Yeah, it looks like, because it is. You do it backwards and then you reverse it. So it's going forwards. And you say it's like a normal video, but it's it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah. very difficult to There's describe how yeah. it's different. And so you learn – I know that you – so all the people, all the members learn how to do – play the instruments. Yeah. But like backwards, like they're playing the chords backwards or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you also learnt the lyrics Back, So you were saying the lyrics, singing the lyrics backwards. I was singing, right? yeah. How long did that learn to do that?
2: Uh, How long did it take? It took, like, it depends, like, how, where you measure it from, because it took me quite a while to figure out how to learn something backwards, how to learn a song backwards. I got the idea from um, another band who'd filmed, i done a film clip like that, and it's not Coldplay. Everyone... <laughs> When I told them about this, my concept for this video, when I was making it, they were like, "Oh, is it like? Did you get your idea from Coldplay? Because they did a video like yeah, that." The actually, scientist. That's what
1: Luke said as well. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, not, not Coldplay. Not Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's actually like this band from um, New Zealand from like God ages ago, probably like ten, fifteen years ago. Um, they were called Good Shirt. And they had this, um, single where they were, they did the film clip backwards. And I remember at the time I read an interview about, like, how they managed to do, um, that. And it's really cool because they've got the budget for, um, destroying a car in the background. And oh, so the car wow. comes back to life. And it's, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and the is just sort of in the foreground. Um, and so, yeah, that looks really amazing. And so I'd read this interview, um, with the singer about how they went about that. And he was like, yeah, I studied with a speech pathologist for like a month in order to learn how to sing this song backwards and this and that. And so that was, I, I don't know, I just kept that in my head for 10, 15 years for some reason. And then I was just like, you know what? I don't need a speech pathologist. I can I can figure this out. But it took me a really long time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually I got there. I'm just stupidly determined like that.
1: It was like DIY speech therapy. <laughs>
2: Yes. DIY everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's really cool. I sent it around to all my housemates, and we were all talking about it. How oh, just, thank you. <laughs> it looks yeah, just a bit of and it's, and then George is like breaking the drums as well. Yeah. So you had the budget to dr- to break a, a drum set, but not a, a car.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was her. Um, I think it was, she said it was her first ever drum kit. Okay. Um, oh, that's
1: sad. Yeah. Oh,
0: I
2: know about she that. she she thought it was a little bit sad, but also like really cool. Yeah. Like, if you're going to break your first ever drum kit, like, what a good reason. Do
1: it in a backwards film film clip. <laughs> I've always said that.
2: Oh, just do it because Bree tells you to. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs>
2: do what Bree says.
1: Yes. Well, all this talk about Psycho Genius, what I'd like to do is to play the track. Cool. And then come back and have a little bit of more of a chat about it. But this is Psycho Genius by Library Siesta. Yeah. in the night. Genius by Library Siesta. That was amazing. Now here's the thing: you did that all backwards.
2: Yeah, I learnt to sing that all backwards.
1: And plus, there's some swearing. I was wondering, <laughs> are you? Can you remember how to do any of it backwards? Yeah. Can you I swear can. backwards for me, please?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just gonna go a little bit off the mic because I yell it.
1: Okay, sure. <laughs> I can't, father. <laughs> and you had to learn the whole song like that? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Cool. That made a really interesting waveform. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, that is the single, Psychogenius, that was released. Was it November? Oh, uh, so,
2: good question. Let's say
1: it was released last th- year. <laughs> last
2: year. I think it was October. Mm. I think it was October. So we was... did the launch in November. Yeah, that's right. We released it in October and then launched it.
1: And at the November. launch, you it was really cool because you made a zine, which I, I have here. <laughs> you paper. do. He's not lying. Can he you, does have it. Can you hear that tangible art <laughs> in my hands? Oh,
2: it's so tangible. So
1: you wrote an accompanying essay mm. to describe, I guess, the thoughts or themes that were that you were talking about in the song. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like a 20-page essay. I'd like to have a bit of a chat about some of that. Double
2: space, though. Double space,
1: okay, <laughs> sure. I haven't got a word count because, as I said, it is a tangible item. <laughs> but I found it very interesting, and there was one thing that I wanted to talk about, which was the the concept of genius. Mm. Because the way that the essay's written, it kind of challenged me a bit, to be honest. Oh. Because since... I, I like
2: hearing that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's discuss. Since a young age... I have always attached a negative connotation to the word genius. That's interesting. Because I've always thought that if that is where your mind is, then there are sort of other normal pleasures of life that you don't really get to interact with because you're on like a different plane of existence. That's what I... Th- I guess I was 14 or 15 when I started to think that. So mm-hmm. how do you perceive the word genius? Um. Is it all positive in your mind?
2: I don't know, because, I, th- I th- <laughs> um, yeah, like, I think it's, like, going back, like, as you sort of said, you know, growing up when you were 14 or something, you that was, you know, when you really thought about it and you thought about it in this kind of more negative light. I think back then, before I wrote an essay about, yeah. the con- and a song about um, the concept of the genius, I, you know, perceived it in a very positive way, I think, because it's um, it's used as a compliment a lot of the time in creativity. Like, Mm. wow, you're a genius. You're so smart. Like, it's sort of a synonym for being really, really smart, really, really intelligent, um, very, very creative, very original, very unique. So I guess that's how I'd sort of always thought of it. Okay, But now, like, oh, I need you know twenty pages to (laughs) to explain what. what, what Life gets more complex, doesn't it? I know. (laughs) So
1: in this is great because it's not just your musings; it is fully referenced, (laughs) and you can tell that you have an academic background (laughs) because there's like a list of references at the end of your (laughs) punk rock zine. (laughs) Um, And you kind of references are very punk rock.
2: Because you're acknowledging and you're respecting um, other people's work. So, you have to respect you know, others. It's about respect, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so in the zine, you kind of draw on research works to illustrate how society perceives creative men and women differently. Yeah. So is it possible for you to, to kind of summarize the thesis of this essay?
2: Oh, is it possible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a question. Is that kind of what I'm hitting on, the, the concept
1: yeah. that the if there is a creative person, mm. their gender influences how a society at large yep. perceives the work that they've done.
2: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's um, in many ways like one of the main kind of arguments um, that's sort of coming through in that essay. And yeah, there were a couple of like really interesting studies that I found when I was researching this topic. And one of them, um, and both they were both. There were yeah all the research is kind of recent yeah so one of them was a study where they were looking at um they were using like they identified metaphors that were used in language for creativity and one of the metaphors was um for like creativity and ideas was about seeds and about how ideas come from you know you plant a seed in the mind, and, and it takes cultivation and hard work in order to, um, you know, have a good idea, um, and that an idea grows over time. And then the other metaphor that they were interested in was um, light bulbs, that in contrast to, you know, something taking a really long time um, to come into fruition, um, that it just sort of switches on like that, and like it just comes to you. moment. This eureka moment, yeah. this like hallelujah, I got a great idea, look at me. And so they sort of looked at those two metaphors and what they did was they um, got a bunch of people and they got a text about um, a particular person who had been, like in history, who had been, you know, had come up with a really good idea, basically, who could be considered a, a genius. And so they talked about that person and their work and they wrote... Two different Oh, there were three different scripts. One used one metaphor, the light bulb metaphor. One script used the seed metaphor, and one script was neutral. And they found that, um, and then they, so they did a few different rounds, like phases of the study, and they found that when the inventor was female, if the seed metaphor was used, it used it increased the person's perception that that inventor was a genius, that that idea was a genius. Um, but the opposite was true for males. It was the light bulb metaphor that people felt more comfortable, okay, um, associating with a genius moment or a genius idea. Um, so
1: people found it more comfortable to think that a woman who was a genius got there as a consequence of hard work, yeah, as opposed to a man who was like I think you said like a god given yeah gift just, yeah of just creativity
2: that it's that they're. Their, what's good about them and their their ideas and everything is innate, that it's just something that just is there, yeah. you know, at birth. And, yeah, whereas people are more comfortable with the idea of, like, women's, you know, um, genius being something that's, you know, about the result of effort.
1: And those are the themes that are explored in the song as well because it's psycho slash genius. Yeah. So it's kind of like how does society perceive this. I would like to read from the zine, oh. which I have here <laughs> in my hands, I'd like to read a sentence and then I'd like to try if we can go and try and unpack it. (laughs) Okay. So, it says it's unhealthy, dangerous, and misleading to perpetuate the idea that in order to make exceptional art, you need to be mentally ill. So, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. How do you think that society needs to change the way it's thinking? Regarding the work of a genius, like this is a genius work, mm. society perceives it in some way at the moment. How do we need to shift that?
2: So I think the way you phrased it is actually the way that we do need to think about it. Oh, is okay. that <laughs> okay. I think um, we do need to sort of look at works of genius as you know as, as works of genius. Rather, I think the main idea is that we we think about a person as a genius rather than the work. We've okay. got this focus on the individual and their um, particular history and their story, and we, um, you know, look at people throughout history. A lot of the people that we call geniuses are are long gone, um, and so it's about those stories and the way that we talk about them. And so, instead of sort of focusing on the individual and saying that they're they're a genius, because when we do that, um, it starts to be about oh, it's just you know they were born that way, yeah. and we and we undermine um, the hard work that went in behind, you know, creating the works that they did.
1: <coughs> okay, because to create that work, there's a lot of context around yeah, that. Yeah,
2: exactly. There's a lot of context. There's a lot of – there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that happens before. You know, they, they build on other people's ideas before yeah. that. There's a whole community often around a person when they create something amazing. You know, no, no man is an island and no woman is an island either. Mm. <laughs> um, so it's – I think the the sort of – shift that needs to happen does sort of, I think it starts to be a little bit more healthy when we're talking about a particular work. And because when we talk about that work, we can put that in context and we can talk about, yeah, the person who created it, but we can also talk about all the other stuff that happened around that work.
1: Yeah. I think that it's a very interesting idea and it's also a very intellectual way to release a song, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, which I am totally on board with, to have the yeah. song, to have a cool video and then to have a zine that you've put so much work into, <laughs> and there's photos as well. Yeah. So, there was, we've been talking about the idea of psycho or genius, about how it's perceived. Mm-hmm. This work, were, there was a stimulus or a catalyst for yes. this work. Yeah, there was. So, would you be able to just give us a brief overview of where the, uh, this, we've been talking about these really sort of grand ideas, but yeah. there was something that happened. Yeah. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah. Um so I had a psychotic episode um a little bit over ten years ago now. When I released the song it was pretty much bang on, ten years. Okay. Um my psychosis anniversary, <laughs> if you will. Um
1: it's your psychoversary.
2: Psychoversary. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> um oh, I wish I'd written that up in the press release. <laughs> <laughs> In celebration of Bree's psychoversity. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, but that was an acute psychotic episode, which means that it, it only lasted for a short while. It was really quite traumatizing in a lot of ways because there was no um, explanation for, like, why it had happened. It just kind of happened out of nowhere. I hadn't taken any drugs. I hadn't... T- hadn't been on any medications. I hadn't even, I don't think I'd even had a beer or anything. Like it just sort of hit me, um, and the doctors couldn't really explain why. And so that was really, um, that really shook me. It shook my sense of identity because uh, it probably says, it feels a bit weird to say this out loud, but like at the time, you know, seeing myself as a sane person felt really important to how I saw myself and my relationship with the world. I thought there were sane people and there were insane people. Mm. And so having this moment where I was insane for just a little bit really sort of shook me up and I was like, well, who am I? And so yeah, that was really, really, really difficult.
1: (laughs) And so it's sort of, uh, when your world was shook like this, Mm. it made you reflect and think about, well, how do we perceive this when this happens to people. That's kind of the thrust yeah, behind the psychogenies. eventually.
2: <laughs> it took a few years. <laughs> okay, sure. Well,
1: yeah.
2: It took a while. Um, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, eventually, you know, I turned the questions from, you know, what's wrong with me to, you know, what's what's wrong with our world where we make someone like me think that there's something wrong with me. <laughs> mm. yeah.
1: It's a very visceral way to write a song. And yeah, I mean I'm super impressed because it's you have to you're really kind of opening up and turning your experience into art. And I think that that's a beautiful thing and I think it's a cool song. Oh, thank so, you. So no. Brie, thank you so much for coming on the first version of Women Who Rock. It's really been a pleasure having a chat with you today.
2: Oh, it's been the pleasure has been mine. <laughs> it's all mine. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Still gonna sing. The future haunts me like a moon Grey black cloud In the parts of Women Who
2: Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of DoSER 107.3